0: It's going to be a good night. I want you to lean in, sit up, put your butt into the corner of your seat. Straighten your back out. Open your eyes. Do a little blinkage. Stretch your face out. And uh, we're going to get into the Word. Every week we open the Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's Word. We believe that when we get into it, it can get into us and change us from the inside out. And... um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, I am feeling the effects of a renewed commitment to dive deeper into what I've always known to be true and right, uh, which is what I need. It's God's word. I need God's presence. And But as I'm continuing to dive deeper into it and lean into it and depend on it, it's continuing to change me, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. This idea of the outside in versus the inside out. Sometimes we want to change the outside without seeing a real change on the inside. And I want to challenge you and encourage you that when Jesus meets you where you're at, he doesn't fix your outside so much as he renews your heart. He gives you a blank space. And he says, you can start from here. Is it easy? No. Will you... Do this 100% perfect? No. But can you follow Jesus and dive deeper into his word and grow and see change in your life? Absolutely. I'm living proof of it. So many people in here are living proof of it. We're going to do a series starting next week, and we're going to hear some actual stories and testimonies of people who are living proof of what happens when Jesus gets a hold of your life. And I want to encourage you this year. It's still the beginning, we're still in January, so it's the front end of the year. Don't, don't say, oh, you know what? I'm already into January. I mean, we're pretty much, it's almost Christmas. I'm going to start in 2021. No. Start right now saying, you know what, God? I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to give you everything I got because it is worth it, which is what we're going to read right now. We've read this scripture the last few weeks, and I didn't intend on coming back to it three weeks in a row, but I just feel like it's kind of opening up more and more to me. And it's this, in Psalm 19, it says, they, referring to the ways of God, they are more precious than gold, more more than pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, more than honey from the honeycomb. By them, his ways, referring to his ways, by his ways, your servant is warned that in keeping his commands, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive God my hidden faults. Keep your servant uh, from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. I'll have a blank space. Innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God, my rock and my redeemer. We talked the last couple of weeks about this idea of what does it look like for God to, uh, to forgive you or for you to receive God's forgiveness. But then what does it look like for God to keep you, which is what I just alluded to? What does it look like for God to maintain management and leadership over your life? Because it's one thing to give God a moment. It's another thing to give God your life. It's one thing to give God a season. And when the season dries up for you to quit, it's another thing for you to say, God, I'm in this with the thick, and I'm in this during the thin. I'm in this on the highs, and I'm in this for the lows. Because you were in it through it all, so I can be in it through it all. I can give you everything. It is worth it. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's worth it. I want to read this in a different translation. It's called the TMV, the Taylor Murray version. And it says this. God, your ways are a good reminder that when I do things your way, it's always worth it. So why do I keep doing stupid things? Honestly, I have no clue. But God, I need you to forgive my hidden stuff and the stuff I do out in the open because I don't want those things to dictate my future. Then at that moment, I'll have a blank space, an opportunity for my words and my heart to please you. I wanna speak on this idea tonight, an acceptable gift. An acceptable gift. If you're taking notes, which which I challenge and encourage you to every single week, make this a habit. It will change your life. Um, You can write down this idea, an acceptable gift. An acceptable gift. Would you bow your heads and uh, close your eyes and pray with me and and agree as we ask God to speak to us tonight. God, thank you for your word. We thank you that it can read us from the inside out and change us. Uh, we, We give you permission. We give you space tonight to do what only you can do. And as much as we can try and we can modify our behaviors and we can do all sorts of things that make us better and those things are good in and of themselves, God, they're not enough. We need you. We need your grace. We need your leadership. We thank you, God, that as we surrender to you, you can change us from the inside out, change the way we live, change the way we see others. Change the way we see our future. Change the way we see what's going on in our world and say, I'm not here as a victim. I'm here to infect change and hope and life into the dark places. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 Have You ever gotten uh, a gift that, while it may have been a nice gift, it did not match you? That ever happened to you? Like this has happened to me before. There was a year recently, several actually several years ago, where I was uh, I was having a birthday thing, and and you know the older you get, the less you get gifts. You know, like you go, the gift that you have is your friends are like, my gift to you is I showed up to go to dinner with you, (laughs) and on top of that, I paid for my own dinner, so you're welcome. That's the gift that you get. So. Gifts become more and more like rare. They're fewer and far between, and so when you get a gift, you're like, "Man, I'm excited for this gift because I don't get many." And I, I remember this one particular birthday, and I, I get some gifts, and and um, and I'm excited about it. I'm not like a huge gifts guy. I don't. I don't. I'm I'm happy when I get gifts, but I'm not a gift giver. I'm not a gift receiver. I'm like, I'm just. I'm kind of neutral. I, I I dig it, but I'm not like. It doesn't get me going a ton. And so I remember this birthday, though. I'm, I'm excited, and, and I, I start opening these presents. And and you ever gotten one of those presents where you're like, this isn't bad. It's just dumb. You know what I'm talking about? Like, one of the gifts I open up, it's a paper airplane kit. Like, Like, I'm down to make some paper airplanes with my daughter, but after about three or four throws, they're done, and I've just wasted this entire gift. Not to mention, I can make better airplanes than a kit can give me because I'm good at it. And so I'm like, I get a paper airplane kit. I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I didn't need this. Like, thanks, guys. Then I open another one. It's a Duck Dynasty calendar. I'm like, you got to be actually kidding me. Because while I'm down with the Robinsons, they're a great family. They love the Lord. They're super cool. They're funny. I don't need a calendar with their faces on it. I don't need a calendar with ducks. In fact, I don't need an office calendar. You don't ever need to get me any calendar because I'm not going to use it. And so I get this gift, and, and the person who gives it, they're like, I love Duck Dynasty. Isn't that great? I'm like... Yeah, man, it's great. Have you ever watched it? No, not really. Oh, man, you got to watch it. It's great. And so I'm like, man, this is, this is dumb. Not because I don't like your gift, but it's just like, I didn't need this. It does not take from my life, but it does not enrich my life either. Or the, the, the best one, I'm going to throw my wife under the bus for a second. Okay, that's a bad, that's a bad um, saying because I would never throw anyone under a bus, okay? <laughs> but but a few years ago, a few years ago, uh, this 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 birthday, I'm 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 excited because Noel's got a gift for me. It's a big box and and you know, when you when you give gifts to your spouse, and again, I'm not going to say that I'm a better gift giver. I'm not. But Noel is a good gift giver. And so, mind you, this is a sentimental gift. But I, I'm, I'm, I see the gift, and I'm excited to open it. She's excited for me to open it. She's told me she's excited about it. And, and so I start to open up the gift, and I open, open up the wrapping, and I, I, I get the box, and I take it out of the box. And it is none other than a Razor scooter. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, thanks. <laughs> My wife, I'm, a, I'm an adult man. I, I'm married. I'm married. Thankful for my wife, I own a house, I got a dog. We're right around the corner from having kids at the time. I live, I mean. And she got me a Razor scooter. Like, thanks. She's like, yeah. Well, you know, our other one was starting to get kind of wobbly, so I figured we'll get. I get you a new one. And in our old neighborhood, we had. We had um, some Razor scooters that I'd gotten for 50 cents from one of our neighbors. I had two of them. And there were multiple times where our good friends, I think Cameron's done it as well, went face first over the front of the scooter onto the cement and scraped themselves because these scooters were so bad. So it was a very nice, thoughtful gift. It was good. We still have this Razor scooter in our garage. We will still use it during the summer. So I'm not here to say that it was a bad gift. But it was funny because I'm thinking, Noel, we could have just, like, we could go to Fred Meyer any day and get a Razor scooter. It doesn't have to be my birthday gift from my spouse. Just, like, a little hint. Like, when you get married someday, right, you don't, you don't have the option, like, to give, like, a toothbrush to, you know, if anything, that's, like, a hint that they don't brush their teeth enough, which is a whole other story. But it was funny because I liked the gift. Don't get me wrong. It was a good gift. It was a thoughtful gift. But the gift was not what I was looking for. Let me say it again. She gave me a gift that in and of itself was good. I appreciated the gift. I was thankful that she went through the time and the energy to think of a gift that would be kind of fun and And it was a thing that we would do together. We'd walk our dog with the scooters. It was great. So there was nothing wrong with the gift. But as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this is not what I was looking for. I think it's interesting sometimes what we do as Christians, can I be honest? Is we give God things that he's not asking for. And... What he's not saying to you is when you give him something that he just looks at it and says, you're cute. I don't like it. Take it back. But I think what often happens is we give God novelty gifts that while in and of itself it is good, it is not what God has been asking for. See, it's this word pleasing in your sight that David says. He says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. That word, pleasing in your sight, means this. And you can write this down because it's important. It means an acceptable gift, one that matches the person you're giving it to. David, in another scenario, would go on to say toward the end of his life, as he's offered an opportunity to offer a sacrifice at a discounted rate, to God, and he's given a discount from this guy, and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. There, I, there's never going to be a moment where I give God something that didn't cost me anything. And here's what we do. We think that by giving God the things that cost us nothing, nothing, that we're checking off a box, and God is saying, wait, 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 this isn't what I've asked for. See, what David understood was what God was asking of him. And I think we need to understand tonight what God is actually asking us for. Can I tell you what he's not asking you for? He's not asking you for perfect attendance on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. That's great. I think you should. And to be honest, I have perfect attendance so far this year. I'm really good at it. Thank you. Give me a certificate, Julian. But what God is not asking for is that you lift your hands higher, though I think there's significance when you lift your hands. What God is not asking for is that you sing louder Though when you sing with all your heart, it might reflect what's inside. What God is not asking you for is a moment or your leftovers. What God is asking you for is your life. I don't know if you caught that. Because what, what, what we often do is we say, okay, here's what I do. I say yes to God. I say yes to Jesus. I give him, uh, I, I say yes. I'm going to invite him into my life. He's going to become the, the Lord and the savior of my life. He's going to be in the middle of my heart, and and it's this great thing, and I'm like, okay, God, it's you and me now. I'm down with this. I'm cool with it, and then we think, okay, now what I've got to do is this thing, and when I do this thing, it's what's going to get God continuing to give me his approval, and what you need to understand and what David understood is that he's not looking for you to be perfect. He's not looking for you to lift your hands higher or to sing louder. What he's looking for you to do is surrender your life to him. That's it. He's looking for you to give him your life. What what does David say? He says, God, I want the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart to please you. And what we have to understand tonight, what I need you to understand, is what we think often pleases God is not the thing that pleases God. What really pleases God is what we're going to look at. Pleasing in your sight, an acceptable gift. Let me tell you what God is not looking for. Is a, what, what a novelty, you guys know what a novelty gift is? You ever been to a novelty gift shop, like a dollar store, where you get, like, I could go in there and spend a hundred bucks on things that are just kind of cool that you put in your junk drawer because you can't, you can't imagine throwing it away, but you haven't used it in years, but you keep it in your drunk, junk drawer. You, do you have anything like that? Like, I've got, I've got batteries. I've got tech deck wheels. I've got... You know, I've got little, all sorts of little trinkets and all this kind of stuff. What are they? They're novelties. They're the things that I give to Hayden because I know it's okay if she destroys them. A novelty gift is a small, inexpensive toy. Here's another definition for it. This is what a novelty gift is. An unnecessary gift that doesn't cost you anything. A novelty gift... And can I be honest, what we often give to God is an unnecessary gift that costs us nothing. Can I tell you in 2020, what I've come to, maybe I can just speak for myself, is I'm tired of giving God things that he wasn't asking for. I'm tired of giving God things that On the outside, check off a box, but on the inside, my heart is still just as distant from God. What I'm tired of giving God is things that don't matter. What I'm tired of giving God is things that he's not asking for. Things that are unnecessary or worse that don't cost me anything. Did you know what? It's great when you worship and when you lift your hands and you leave it all. I mean, we had a worship night on Sunday night. I don't know if you were there. It was incredible. amazing we went there and we then we went there and we went somewhere else too it was deep it was awesome and I'm like going for it and people are giving prophetic words and people are laying hands on people and praying and and encouraging each other and the presence of God was there but you know what that's not what God's asking for that's the crunchy thing when I think about it like God invites us to worship and yes it is part of the DNA and the purpose of your life but it's not what God's what did God say in the Old Testament? said many times. He said, you know what I'm tired of? He's like, I'm tired of your worship festivals. Because what you're doing is you're worshiping me here. But then you leave, and the very thing I've called you to do, you're not doing. And I don't want to live a life. Where I'm doing the things that on the outside would give any of you the perception that, wow, Taylor's got this God, Jesus, Christian, church thing figured out. And on the inside, my heart is far from God. And that I'm not doing what he's actually called me to do. What has he called you to do? That what comes out of you and that what goes into you would be pleasing to God. What goes out of you and what goes into you that it would be pleasing to God. I think some of us need to stop giving God novelty gifts. What have you been giving God? Um, maybe we could do this. Why don't we sit up real quick? Let's sit up straight. Some of these flouchers, I'm calling you out. Yeah, that's you. Tabor, I got you. Love you, bro. Just kidding. He wasn't. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to call Tabor out. But hey, let's think about it. Let's think about it. Let let me call you up for a second. Let me me challenge you to step it up for a second. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to diminish the outward things because they matter. Okay? But what we see in this passage is that David links two things. And what he's not just simply saying is the words, although that matters. And we're going to talk about your confession and what you say, because that matters. What you say, how you talk matters. How you speak matters. How you talk to others matters. What you say about others matters. What you say to yourself out loud or in your own heart matters. But what does the words of your mouth represent? Represent Represents what comes out of you. And I want to ask you, what is coming out of your life, and is it pleasing God? That's the first thing you need to write down, is what is coming out of me? What is coming out of me, and is it pleasing to God? Because what we know is that when we've met God, and this is what David understood, which is what I love, because he draws this comparison. He's like, God, I really suck at life sometimes, and I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. Why? He's like, but God, at the end of the day, what I need you to do is I need you to forgive the inside stuff and the outside stuff. But then what he goes on to say is at that point, at that point, I will be clean. I will be sinless. And I'll be able to do what we're about to talk about. Here's what he says. I'll be blameless, innocent of any transgressions. And here's what you need to understand is that the only way that you can do this thing called following Jesus, raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus, you want to give God your life, you want to live an honorable life that glorifies God, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't do the thing you do it automatically. Keep your hand up. I'm going to talk to the people whose hands are up, straight up. And if if your hand's up or you're looking to your neighbor, then put your hand down. Okay, so I want to talk to you with your hands up. Keep it up. I'm just going to make you get tired for a second. Okay, here's what you need to understand. The only way you can do this is from, not for, the only way you can do this is from an understanding that because of Jesus, he's made you blameless. He's made you pure. He's forgiven you from everything that you've ever done. And he has given you a blank space. If you're trying to do this to earn that status, then you will go on a hamster wheel and you will never finish You will always be tired. But let me encourage you, when you do this from a place of understanding what Jesus has already done for you, you can put your hands down. When you do it from, everyone say from. From. When you do it from a place of understanding what Jesus has already done for you, it changes everything because you're no longer trying to earn, but you're acting from a place of confidence that God has already put in you. It's a little quiet here tonight, but it's all good. Number one, you got to watch what comes out of you. It says, I'll be blameless, innocent of any transgression. And then he says this, May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, God. May the words of my mouth. So I'll ask you again, what is coming out of your life right now? What is your life producing? What is your life producing? I'll ask you this, maybe a better way. What kinds of friends are your actions attracting? What kinds of attitudes do your friends have that your parents can't stand? Can I challenge you? If you've got parents who kind of generally kind of like you, Like, they don't even have to be great. They just got to kind of care. If you have parents who kind of care, and they're saying that the attitudes of your friends suck, then you better listen, because that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying you better distance yourself from these people, or you're going to go the same direction they are. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll never stop saying it. You show me your friends. I'll show you your future. But some of you, you have no hope. You know why? Because what you're saying and what's coming out of your life is continually attracting the same thing. So you can cut one friend off, but you're going to go attract another one. So what do you have to do? You've got to change what's coming out so you can change what's coming toward you. You know what happens with generous people? You know what kind of people they attract? It's not needy people. Generous people actually attract more generous people. And it's funny because generous people also give to not only generous but needy people. And it's funny because we think that the way to attract people to ourselves is to be a victim. And every time that something's going wrong, all we got to do is send out an SOS on Snap and pretend that we're a little bit more depressed than we actually are so that we can get the attention that that person was never meant to give us And then feel unsatisfied when it doesn't meet our need. So then we do it more. And we go deeper into this pit. And it attracts more of what we don't even want or need. And some of you have to ask yourself. Don't ask yourself what's coming out of my life. Ask yourself maybe, what am I attracting? And then work backwards from there. If I'm attracting losers, maybe I'm talking like a loser. If I'm attracting lazy people, maybe it's because I'm not a hard worker. Maybe if I'm attracting people who just don't care about their future, maybe it's because I'm acting like I don't care about mine. Because once you start acting like what you want to be, some people around you are saying, I want that. And they're going to be attracted to you. But some of us, we've been attracting the wrong people. And it's not their fault. It's not the devil's fault. It's not your mom's fault. It is not the church's fault. It is not my fault for sure. It is not anyone around you's fault. It is simply you've got to take onus on yourself and say, you know what? I'm attracting the wrong people. And here's the best part about it. When you start moving forward, guess what? The people around you tend to notice. And they'll either run from you or they'll say, you know what? I'm seeing... I'm seeing Jake step over, up over here. Man, I'm freaking done with this loser crap. I'm going to follow Jake. I, I, I'm, I, I'm seeing Madison over here just to actually like be the nicest person ever and, 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 and lean into what is in front of her and, and be a good steward of her life. Man, I, I don't want to waste my days over here. I'm going to follow where she's going. I'm, what, what's going to happen is people are either going to run the other way or they're going to be drawn to you. But either way, you win because the losers leave or they stop being losers. And I'm not trying to use loser loosely. None of you in here is a loser, but some of you are acting like it. And what David understands is, God, why do I keep doing loser stuff? Why do I keep doing dumb stuff? Because it gets me the same results every time. But God, and here's the key, friends, here's the key. I I don't want you to be like, well, I'm a loser. I must be. You know, I'm always going to be a loser. No, 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 don't do that. Because some of you, you you need to assess your behavior and say, I'm being a loser. Talking to my friends the whole time during service. I see you. I I, I'm Whatever it might be, okay, big or small, identify it. Don't sit on it. Receive the forgiveness of God. Know that you are blameless and pure. And leave with a mandate and an opportunity and a decision that say, you know what? I don't have to be that way anymore because Jesus said I don't. So I'm going to change and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to watch as people begin to follow in my footsteps because I am laying a path that they can follow. You got to watch what's coming out of your life. What kind of words are you saying? Are you building up or are you tearing down? Are you encouraging? Man, this is, and I I can only speak from what I know and what I'm working on. But I can also speak from what I suck at and what I tend to not lean toward. It is Sometimes it is hardest, especially when it's people close to me, it's hard for me to just, like, be an automatic encourager. Like, man, you really did great tonight. And I watch how you, and you're just wonderful, and I love being around. I'm not good at that. I got to, anybody else, like, not really good at saying what you want to say, even though you want to say it, but it's like, it's like, Mom, I love you. (laughs) Or, like, Kelly, when you sing that song tonight, you did a really good job. Okay, You know, or something like that, right? Like, or, or, uh, you know, um, you start just moving your hand. You're like, um, "Hey, Dave, uh, uh, mm, I I saw you the other day, and I thought of something, but I'll mention it later, okay? (laughs) See you later. (laughs) You know, I I don't know if you're like like me, where it's like you gotta." you gotta, you got to actually do it. But what, what happens is when you start to change your language, what it starts to invite into your life. When you start to change your language, it starts to invite different things in your life. I'll say it again because you need to get this. When you start to change your language, it invites new things into your life. Let me get literal with it. The moment you learn Spanish... If you're an English-speaking person and you learn Spanish, it invites you into doors that you could never walk into if you didn't know the language. Why? Because there are certain people that can only understand certain languages. I remember when I worked at AT&T, you got paid $5 more an hour if you were fluent in any mainly spoken language. French, Spanish, all these other things. And so there was this guy who was a terrible salesman, but he got paid $5 more than everybody else. Why? Because he was able to speak a language nobody else could. And let me me encourage you prophetically this year, is that your teachers, some of your enemies, people you don't like, people you want to aspire to be around, Whatever it is, guess what? They speak a language that you don't speak. The moment you change your language, the moment is the moment that you attract new people and new things and new opportunities into your life. When you start speaking in encouragement, you start you invite happy people into your world. The moment you start uplifting people wherever you go is the moment you start to find yourself getting uplifted. Why? Because when you change your language, you invite new things into your world. But the moment you start tearing down, guess what? You feel weighed down. You feel burdened. The moment you start allowing every frustration, I saw an uneven parking job the other day, it, I I wanted, to, I wanted to rip my own fingers off. <laughs> I was so mad. And it was in the church. It may or may or not have been someone who worked here. I, I don't know. Just kidding. And I'm walking in, and I'm like, I'm about to go and find this person. Like, I'm I'm picturing it. I'm like, I'm going to fling open the door. Hey, who's driving the red Hyundai? Because look at their parking job. As if we don't have enough spots. And as I'm getting close to the door, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was God or just, like, common sense. It's like, why do I care? And I just realized it It was as if God taught me a lesson in that moment. Like, why do I need to let frustrations come out of my mouth? It doesn't change the fact that I'm going to park real even every time I do. And I'm going to make people jealous of my skills. But I don't need to vocalize every frustration. You don't need to hear when I'm annoyed by my mom. You don't need to hear when I'm annoyed by my friend that I sit next to in my class. You don't need to hear when there are things going on because what happens, here's what we do. We vocalize frustration, but how often do we not match our frustration with hope and encouragement and building up? What if we just flip the script? What if we stopped vocalizing what's not working and we started confessing what is? What if we stop reminding ourselves about how bad we suck? And started reminding ourselves about how great God sees us to be and what he's put on the inside of us. What if we stop talking so down about ourselves or about others or about our future or about what we see and we start bringing up out of the ground what we can't see yet but we know is in there? Some of you, you got great stuff under the soil. Why don't you get on your knees, water it, and start pulling some things out of it? You may not see it yet, but it is in there, and sometimes you need to remind yourself. You've got to watch what you confess. Change your language. You'll change what comes into your world. I'm going to give you a few of these things. You can write them down if you get them. Um, listen back to the podcast because uh, I'm going to read them fast. Here's some confessions that we need to make about ourselves, about others, about our future things that we need to say on a regular basis. Okay, these are just a few. I wrote a few things down. Yesterday is gone, but today is here. And God made me with purpose. I'm a lifter. Everywhere I go, I lift up, I encourage, and I make my environment better. God loves every individual, including me, in spite of failures. So I'll do the same. Every mistake that I make is an invitation for me to lean in further to God. Today, I choose to speak life knowing that there's power in my words. Gossip is a thing of my past. I choose to believe the best and speak the best even when it doesn't make sense. I could go on and on and on. You can live this back through the podcast if you wanna write any down. I've got more I could give you. But here's the thing. What am I doing? I'm choosing what I'm gonna focus on and I'm gonna to start to speak that. Some of you got to stop speaking discouragement. My mom's the best at this. I'll invite the band to come forward. We'll close here in just a moment. We're going to do some worship. And she, she, she would always get on our case. Like, if she ever comes up, and I've told this story before, she comes up to you and says, how are you doing? And, and you say the first word better not be, anyone want to guess? No, you can say good. Fine would be a bad example, yeah? Tired. And if you say tired as the first word out of your mouth, she's going to punch you in the face. Because you better not make that the dominant picture. And I know it's just a semantics thing. Like, and I I would never encourage anyone to lie. How are you doing? I'm great. I've never been better. I'm wide awake. I haven't had any coffee. I got three hours of sleep last night. And I'm so happy about it. No, but, but, but think about it. Because like, sometimes what we got to do is remind ourselves. You ever been to the gym and you didn't want to go? What do you do? You start telling yourself, I want to be here. I know this is what I need. This is going to be good for me. I don't like it right now, but it's going to be good. The moment I step off that treadmill is the moment I'm going to look back on it and say, I conquered something. What are you doing? You're reminding yourself what you need to be true, what you know to be true, what you don't feel, what you can't sense. But the moment that you get there and you start to feel it, you're saying, I'm thankful that I chose my language on the front end. And here's what you need to do. You need to learn to change your language, change your confession. Some of you, your confession is my parents got divorced. Their parents got divorced. So I'll probably get divorced. So I got two options, never get married. So I don't waste my time or get married and hope that somehow it turns out better. But you could change your confession. You could change it. You could say, my parents got divorced, but I'm stopping the cycle because God's given me a new way. And I see relationships through the lens of Jesus and his word rather than through the lens of dysfunction. So from this day forward, I'm charting a new path for my family. Not only will I be the first to get married and stay married, but I'll be faithful to my spouse and I'm gonna set an example for my kids. What is it? Is it true yet? No. But what are you doing? You're changing your language. And there's power when you change your language. Scripture says that the tongue has the power to breathe life and death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Did you know you can actually start a forest fire? I think we've got to watch our language. See, the great thing is, friends Some of you got some learning to do But God has given you a blank space And he's given you everything that you need Scripture says that he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness Meaning, there is not one human being in here who doesn't have everything that they need Some of you have it easier, probably some of you have a little bit harder time? Do some of you go home to have parents that aren't fostering this? Do some of you not even know one or both of your parents? Sure. Do some of you have a lot of different circumstances working against this? I'm sure you do. But God didn't call you to easy. I would love to pat you on the back and say, God's going to make it easier. But God is saying, if you'll endure, If you'll plant your feet and just say, you know what? I'm not determined to be perfect, but I'm I'm determined to lean into God with everything that I've got. I'm determined to change my language because I know when I do, it's gonna change what God brings into my life. The moment you do that and you stay committed to it, you plant your feet and you say, when I fall, I'm getting back up. I am following Jesus. Guess what? You're gonna start to see things turn. You believe that? to change your language but this is the paradox of it all I was uh, talking to a Spanish teacher once and uh, they, they were telling me that they took years of they're telling the class they took years of uh, Spanish, right? And they'd learn the language, and they could speak it fluently. But um, he found that wherever he went, even if there were Spanish-speaking people, he would divert to his predominant language, his first language. Grew up in King County. Grew up speaking English. That's all he knew. And so even after years of training and having made many trips to Europe and Spanish-speaking countries been to Spain and South America all over the place he'd been all over the place. He said it wasn't until I moved there and lived there for over a decade that the culture began to get in me. And now I see English as my secondary language. It's fascinating to hear him say that because here's what has to happen for you is so you have to change where your heart is rooted. Because if you don't, you can learn the language. I'm gonna lift my hands, I know how to do it. Been around church, I know the Hillsong albums, I know elevation worship, I know the Mosaic MSC, I know it all. I even listen to it sometimes. I got my Bible, I got my journal. I know the language. And see, changing your language is powerful, but it really gets powerful when it starts to change you on the inside. Because it's only when your heart changes that it can truly change what's going to come out of your life. Some of you, you need to change what's coming out. But please, don't go home and just fix everything without allowing God to change your heart. Jesus said in Matthew, that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. What David says here, I'll read it. He says, I want the words of my mouth, and get this, the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to God. Do you know what the meditation of my heart means? It means the resounding sound. The stuff that echoes, reverberates, and swims around on the inside. Love this. I would say, you gotta change your language. Change what you're confessing. Sometimes it starts with that. Change what's coming out. The moment you wanna gossip, walk away. The moment you're about to say the F word or something like that, you pause. say, no, 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 I'm changing my language. But never, friends, ever... Make it about what you're doing on the outside. Because if God does not change the inside, the outside is just temporary. Because you'll default to your predominant language. So, what do we got to do? We've got to allow God to change our heart. What are you med- meditating on? What are you sitting on? What are you rehearsing? What are you coming back to? What's your default? That is where you have to invite God in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Because of Jesus and because of his word, He gives us whatever we need to be able to see our hearts change. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe raise your hand if ever, maybe sometimes you struggle with fear. Just put it up and put it back down. Great. Off a lot of us. Raise your hand if it's easier for you to focus on what's not working than for you to meditate on what's really going great. Raise your hand if when you do something wrong, you sit on it for a while and you feel some guilt and shame. So here's what I'm challenging you to do. You need to replace fear with a reminder of God's promise. Because when you feel fear... What does God say all throughout Scripture? One of the most common things he says throughout the Old and the New Testament, what does he say? Fear not, for I'm with you. Some of you need to remind yourself of what God says, that he's not leaving you. Maybe you need to replace your rehearsal of what's not working with finding something. You know, I got one thing that's going right. I know all my friends left me, but Sally, she's the real deal maybe you need to replace your guilt with a focus on the opportunity that God is giving you to make a different decision next time and here's what I'm saying it all comes back to the heart so what I'm inviting us to tonight is to change our language but not just change our outward what comes out but allow God to change us on the inside. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe tonight you're saying, you know what? I need to change my language. But not only that, I want to allow God to change